When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode one of Desperately Seeking Paul, the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. Now I'm Dan Jennings, and 10 years ago, I gave up my life's dream of being a radio presenter with one big regret. Never getting to interview my hero, the legendary British musician, Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. So let's kick this baby off with a few bits of information about me. Now, I'm Dan Jennings. You may know me from such things as Good Morning on BBC Radio Bristol, the popular 5 to 6 a.m. radio show. Yes, 5 to 6 a.m. radio show from the late 90s. Or Dan and Joe, the morning crew on Somerset's Orchard FM in the early noughties. Or even the Dan Jennings Breakfast Show sponsored by Sunsilk on Crawley's Mercury FM. Right, thought not. It's more likely that you stumbled onto this podcast because you too are a fan of the man, the music, the legend that is Mr. Paul Weller. Former frontman of punk mod R&B powerhouse The Jam in the 70s and early 80s before splitting, forming the Style Council, and then later a solo career that stacks up with the world's biggest music icons. We're talking Bowie, Lennon, McCartney, Aretha, Elvis, Dylan, The Stones, Springsteen, even Gary Barlow. So why Paul Weller? Well, during the course of this podcast series, I'll attempt to explain why his music means so much to me personally. But we'll also hear from fellow fans, people who know him and love him, those that have worked with him, plus industry insiders who play his music on the radio, collaborate with him on his songs, videos and gigs, journalists who have written about him and spent time with him on tour or in his studio. In fact, anyone and everyone with a link to Paul who wants to celebrate everything Weller. Personally, I've been a massive fan of his music for nearly 30 years now, since discovering this new artist in the summer of 1992 with a song that I loved instantly called Aha, Oh Yeah. But more on that to come in a future episode. Since then, I've seen him live over 30 times, from Bristol to Cheltenham to Petworth to Glastonbury, the Isle of Wight, and even five nights in a row at the Royal Albert Hall in 2010. Every album that he brings out is absolute killer, from Wildwood and Stanley Road to more recent offerings like A Kind Revolution, True Meanings, and the brilliant new album On Sunset. He's someone who's constantly reinventing himself and pushing himself to try new things, new styles, new ways of working, and challenging his fans with his music. Whether it's splitting up the jam, the biggest band in the UK back in 1982 because he wanted to try something new, becoming a spokesman for a generation with the Style Council and writing some of the best pop tunes of the 80s like Long Hot Summer 
walls come tumbling down, an ever-changing mood, and being seen as the mod father during the 1990s, the Britpop years, a musical icon for the likes of Oasis, Stone Roses, Ocean Colour Scene and Stereophonics, all big bands that have all looked to him for inspiration and support, something that he continues with the new bands and artists that he promotes, lends his studio to, or produces tracks for. The Daily Telegraph said of Weller, apart from David Bowie, it's hard to think of any British solo artist who's had as varied, long-lasting and determinedly forward-looking a career. The BBC described Paul in 2007 as one of the most revered music writers and performers of the past 30 years. So this is Desperately Seeking Paul, the Paul Weller fan podcast, and I can't wait to get started. And to kick off episode one, what a great guest we have. I'm joined by a fellow Paul Weller fanatic, the author, Stuart D. Beale, one of the team behind the brilliant book Thick as Thieves, Personal Situations with the Jam, which was published back in 2012. So good that Paul Weller called it the best book on the jam and its fans that he's ever seen. Now, Stuart has created a new book with Ian Snowball, otherwise known as Snowy, and designer Steve Rowland called Soul Deep Adventures with the Style Council. It features new and exclusive interviews with Mick Talbot, Steve White, Camille Hines, Simon Halfon, Nikki Weller, Billy Bragg, Gary Crowley, and many more. Unseen and iconic photos, memorabilia from music press reviews, magazine covers to set lists, ticket stubs and gig posters all dropped into each year by year chapter for the full 80s experience. The stunning coffee table book arrives very soon. So let's get into it for the first episode. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for inviting me, Dan. You know, it's nice to talk about someone like Paul, who's uh, been a massive influence over a big part of my life, you know. I'm so excited about this chat because I've, I've had a bit of a sneak preview about the book, which we're going to talk about in a bit. And my word, what a piece of work. But let's come to that in a second. First okay. of all, I'd, I'd love to know like how and when you first discovered Weller. What, when, when was that? I would have been aware of the jam around 77 because I was about 11 and I was starting to get into music a little bit. It's more football with me at that point, but punk had sort of, I think I probably just sort of woke me up a little bit and I sort of remember hearing stuff but first time I saw the jam I can remember seeing the jam was doing the modern world on top of the pops I suppose it's just the energy maybe the suits but nothing really went further than that for a bit you know so that was my sort of introduction and then I started high school at that point I started going to Chelsea regularly and stuff, so that really was the major thing. But I think it was a couple of cold kids at school, you know, that you sort of thought there's more to life than Chelsea sort of losing. Uh, they were pretty poor at that point. But <laughs> I'm a Chelsea fan, so I, 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 kind, of, I okay. kind of mirror that as well. That's a whole separate yeah. podcast, man, yeah. <laughs> on how crap Chelsea were then. <laughs> yeah, all that, where were you when you were shit? Well, you know, I was there, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah. Yeah, I so, was there when they were relegated. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I think by 78, I just sort of, my cousin was into punk. She's a little bit older. I remember going around here one Christmas and she had like all this sort of punk and new wave stuff, like Stranglers. Would have been a couple of pistols, records. I was aware of the pistols and stuff, but she had down the tube station at midnight. And it's not a sort of song that you heard on the radio that much because, you know, my family were radio listeners, Radio One or Capital. I knew the song, I knew a bit about the song, but the sleeve sort of transfixed me because I lived in Norfolk and that's a central line train. It's a proper train spot again now we're getting into. But, you know, and you hear the song and it's got a bit of menace, it's got a bit of tension, and there's something almost otherworldly about the song. I borrowed some of the singles and that, and it was one of them songs I just listened to and listened to. And then, for me, it really sort of kicked in with the next single, Strange Town, which I bought. I started buying singles in 79. It was from then on, really, you know, Strange Town's sort of like, well, as post-punk mini-opera. Them singles just meant everything, and it was almost like uh, a call-in. And the way he's... So 
Tongue, you know, he sounded like he was from London, even though he wasn't. It's before I knew he was from Wogan and stuff. But obviously the youth of them, you know, they weren't that much older than us. They were, but they weren't. You could sort of relate to them. I couldn't relate to guys with long hair and, you know, Super Tramp or whatever, do you know what I mean? Or Pink Floyd. But it was that sort of thing. So I just became a little bit obsessed, you know, and carried it through to 40, 40, 41 years on, yeah. So, <laughs> that yeah. obsession's never gone right. away. So you've, you've followed him all the way through, right? From Jam, Style yeah. Council, so... Apart from the end of the Style Council, it's pretty, pretty, I've pretty much gone to every a gig on pretty much every tour. I didn't see the Jam till 82, but uh, from the Farewell Tour. Yeah, I've not, I've not sort of missed too much over the years anyway, but that's where it started then, you know? And, and are you still there from Row Mosh Pit? No, no, i never done it. <laughs> Enough, right? I've never been one of them. I don't like people bumming into me and that. <laughs> I stand a little bit away from it. I think a couple of, one of the jam gigs at Wembley I did, I got down the front and maybe a couple of Style Council ones, but never been one of them right down the front, staying in front of him. Apart from one time, which was a strange one, was Top of the Pops when he'd done Peacock Soap, we managed to get in there. But I can't think of any other time when I stood right front stage. They'd done a giveaway on BBC London, Radio London. My mate Al got the tickets, he got them really late. That was old Bill. Um, he was in a, in a squad car, unmarked squad car, right? Oh, hopefully this won't upset anyone that I've grown up with and that, because we was the other side of the tracks from all that. He managed to get us from Harrow to Elstree in about 10 minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I, I always remember. Peter Andre was on that show as well. They tried to make us dance the mysterious girl, which didn't go down too well. But, yeah, no, so, but yeah, it was a strange old thing, that top of the pop. You know, the old cliche of everyone, you know, the stages are very next to each other, very close to each other and that. So it's a lot smaller than it obviously always looked. But, yeah. And Ocean Colour Scene were on the same show as well. And presumably Craddock played with both, right? Yeah, he did. Steve played with both, yeah, yeah. They'd all had a drink and all, you know what I mean? They looked like they was enjoying themselves. So uh, I loved the 90s, you know what I mean, Dan? Good times. Yeah, what, what an experience, what an experience. Now, let's talk about the book. So the book is Soul Deep Adventures with the Style Council. Yeah. This is beautiful. I mean, clearly a labour of love for you. Can we kick off with the story of the title, first of all, if you wouldn't mind? So, yeah. So obviously that ties in with a single. that I don't think that I don't think every Weller fan will be aware of the single because it's a bit under the radar as the council yeah. collective. Yeah. Tell us about the title and, and the story behind that as well. Well, Soul Deep, as you said, is a council collective song. So that was a benefit single for the miners and also the family of the poor guys who died as well when he got hit by a, a rock off, dropped over a bridge to stop him going to work, but unfortunately killed the poor fella. So getting away from that negativity, we couldn't think of a good title for many of the other songs because with the jam book that me and Snowy did, we used figures thieves. So we was looking for something off thought, well, Soul Deep actually says what it is, you know, Labour of Love, about the Style Council band that we both loved. We were trying to think of a subtitle to go with it. You know, you always want it to link in. You've got to have the Style Council as a subtitle. You've got to get the name of the band and subtitle just for search engines and if anything else. But we're looking through and Steve come up with it. He was looking at the uh, albums and the singular adventures of the Style Council. And then uh, it just sort of stuck, you know, adventures with the Style Council. That's what they are, their personal adventures with the Style Council. So that's where that comes from. And obviously Soul Deep is pure love of the music and the band and the look and what they said and the way they went about themselves, the political aspects. And at the heart of it, it's just soul music. You know, you can have all the genres that they did in it, but at the heart of it, it's just pure soul. So yeah, that's, that's the thing that stands up, isn't it? So the, yeah, the politics is clearly really important. And I love the, the, the story because you were a postie when Soul Deep came out. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really important to me, sort of, 
I come from a sort of, uh, my dad was a trade unionist. He was a shop steward and that. So I come from that background and it wasn't drummed into me, socialism and that. But don't take so long to work out that who's got the money and who ain't. You saw that with Thatcherism and stuff and what she was doing. And then the mining strike became a polarised me to a degree. So when all that stuff going on with that band sort of at the forefront of reflecting moods, but with well as clever lyrics and stuff, it really took me into that thing. And that's why I wanted to speak to a striking miner. It was, it was striking at the time. So I wrote that piece there around Soul Deep and stuff. So you have to talk about politics in uh, in context with the uh, band's story, I think. The writing is so clever, so on point, so kind of damning of the, of the government at the time. But the music stacks up. These are, they're hidden in amazingly catchy pop songs, which is so yeah. unique, isn't it? The run of singles I had, I think, from the start up to you know, maybe the Lodges or something, were really strong. You know, They're up there with, I'll say in the book, that they're up there with some of the best bands, including the Jam and uh, the Kinks and stuff. Uh, for me, anyway, I think they're really clever and they're all different from each other as well. Council Collective is not the greatest single, not because it was Russ, probably just I'm not a fan of that sort of clicking track they were using, the drum track on it. Don't know what Steve would say, but Steve White would say about it. But, uh, <laughs> but for what they did and how quick they did it, and with little play, they still managed to raise a few quid, you know. No, they believed in everything they did. Now, the interviews that you secured in the book are just brilliant with people who are kind of like the fans you've talked about, which I think is so special, but the people who are around the Times and some of the other artists. And, and I'm guessing that in lockdown, that stuff becomes a little easier, right? So you're not having to organise face-to-face meetings with people who are still on the road, like Billy Bragg, for instance, standing out. I mean, obviously, initially, when you thought this idea, I guess that was a bit more of a challenge. But in lockdown, did some of this become a bit easier to collect stories? I mean, the main thing was we got Mick on board. We did approach Paul through his office and the main thing was to get the blessing of them, you know, and we didn't get a personal blessing such, but we didn't get told to stay away either, you know what I mean? So that, that was sort of good enough. So Mick's a lovely fella who got involved. Steve and I a little bit. Steve was happy to be interviewed. So they were the two main ones to give it a bit of credibility. But then I wanted to speak to uh, people like Billy because Red Wedge was such a big part of it and Billy approached the Style Council to do it, you know, and how to go about it and stuff. And I'd never spoken to him before. You know, he was a big, big part of that era. I still think he's one of the most important sort of musicians to come out of the country as well. And so people like that, Camille Hines, who played bass with the council on and off through from 84 to 89, I think. He was good. And, he, you know, he gave us a really good insight into uh, the last gig at the Albert Hall because he was the musical director. Paul would actually give him the uh, the job, which he, he, didn't, he didn't really enjoy because it was so, such a big production and that. But that was interesting to hear that. Steve, I'll get his name wrong, Steve Sidelink, we spoke to who uh, played percussion. So he was at Live Aid and on that, our favourite shop tour. So we got his insights. Tracy Young, who Paul signed to respond, his label. She gave us a great interview, gave us some good insights in the early days and stuff. We've got a really good mixture of people who were there. We've got some good later stuff as well. Norman Jay was a, quite an influence on that last album. He spoke to us because he had his club High on Hope where Paul Mick went to and that gave him the, you know, they all these new Chicago house records and that and, you know, influenced to do that last album and stuff that Polydor madly turned down. So there's a good cross mixture of people and a good cross section of the whole career, you know. Brendan Lynch worked on the last album, so we got him to uh, talk about it. You know, Brendan went on and done other albums with Paul and solo career, so it was good to get his sort of intake. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Like, what an amazing list of, of people. And I think the other thing that stood out to me was the two things, actually. One, the story. So the story from start to end of the story they're telling themselves of the, of the sign of the times around politics we've touched on. But that musical journey they went on through so many different genres outselling the jam and I think it's important to add that yeah. actually a bigger selling band than the jam which is incredible in itself some amazing albums but then that explosion at the end where actually the record label wouldn't release their final album which seems mad doesn't it it does now and I should have done that out of respect, you know, because Paul would earn them so much money from 77 on. And even though obviously Polydor Records has been around for years and that, I think, especially our generation, Polydor, Jewel in the Crown was probably both bands. So, but obviously there was a geezer there that they didn't get on with and he didn't like them, David Munn. So I think he probably had something to do with it. Dennis had left by then as well, the A&R guy, Dennis Monday. Yeah, in hindsight, it's, um, I should have put it out. No one's making house type albums, especially UK. So that was quite um, different, you know. That's pretty much ahead of the curve, isn't it? So yeah, and it's, and it's I think in hindsight, it's probably a good thing because you know, would we would we have had that return and the kind of fire in his belly to produce the Paul Weller solo, yeah. Wildwood, Stanley Road, and, and and everything that's come in the past twenty plus years? But the thing I was going to touch on is whether well, that memorabilia is so exciting when you're kind of flicking through and there's the press ads for the singles and what are yeah. singles that you touched on, some of the concert notes and tickets and the, and even some there's some like designs from Weller himself to sign yeah. to go. This is what I what it's to look like can you make it look, look this way it's an amazing haul of stuff you've got there yeah I've done it right I mean yeah so I forgot Simon I was doing a round I don't know if I told Steve this I'm sorry Steve but I actually approached Simon about doing the book with him I didn't know he was sort of thinking about his own book at the time which he's about to come out as well cover cover but I, I didn't know Simon we've got a mutual friend in Gary Crowley and I sort of met Simon and I said look you know I've got this idea would you be interested but he wasn't for that but he did help us out. He gave us a photo, long to the original, the first cover for, till we managed to get the one we got now. He gave us some great stuff, some memorabilia that he wasn't using for his own book and insights. He actually talks about every sleeve that he'd done, do a little interview with him as well, where he talks about how he got to work with Paul. He's actually quite crucial to the book. I think again gives it another credible arm, and all them. I, I loved all them adverts. I said Dan, all them iconic photos, especially RE stuff. And I didn't see Paul's own notes until he'd sent them to Steve. So when I saw them, I saw them as a as part of the book, which right at the end, which is brilliant, gave me a new angle on all that bit as well. So yeah, no, listen, we're really chuffed. Got to give credit to a lot of the fans who sent their own stuff in as well. Couple of fellas, uh, their own set lists and uh, chewed up set lists and stuff. And we was a bit choosy what we wanted to use. 
in other books we've sort of taken everything and try to use it but I think we just wanted to be high level for the design because that was the main thing that made how it looks was really important to me the jam book we did was more like a fan team type thing it worked brilliantly for them and that but this one the style council it says it all in his style so we really worked hard to make the design as beautiful as possible and and, and as uh, reflective of the band as possible as well. Now, a couple of things before you go. So one of the purposes of this, this podcast is to secure an interview with the great man himself. Yeah. Have you had any meetings with Welly yourself? And if so, how yeah. did they go? I met Paul at an Oasis gig for the first time many years ago. And I was, I mean, I've met a few over the years. It was the only time I've actually sort of, well, not but I went, but I was, I was like, that's Paul Weller, that's Paul Weller. And I'll come out with a classic, like, I shook hands with him, I said, oh, thank you for the music. <laughs> and he, <laughs> I think he was more pissed than I was. And he just, warm handshake, said, cheers, man, back out on the road in November. And them sort of words. So that was 94, I think. And then we did the jam book, Vickers Thieves. A good friend of ours, Mark Baxter, was doing the PR for it. And he arranged for us to meet him and have a photo with him with the book, which was great, brilliant. We sat and hung around for an hour or so. We had a cup of tea bar Italia. And then I bumped into him after that. I started working with a band called Spitfires, who worked at Use Black Barn and recorded a couple of bits. Me and the lead singer, Billy, he was working for me at the time and was working up with in London Paul pulled up in front of us in a mini and I was like that's Paul Weller I said to Billy I said look that's Paul Weller's mini like he parks like he plays guitar angular <laughs> he come straight in front of us and just left it once out so I said look there's a fiver go and get some coffees so he went in to say hello to Paul and Paul offered the band two gigs on his next tour to support him that was bizarre well, that's brilliant <laughs> amazing so I went in, and he was in the Costa with uh, one of his kids, and uh, so I went and said thank you and that. And he, I knew who I was and that, and he's very chatty and that. And uh, yeah, he did the gigs with him. He was brilliant. The whole setup was fantastic. It was really good launching pad for the band to sort of get a bigger audience. And then um, well, one of the last times I saw Paul was we got an invite down to hear True Meanings at Black Barn, the playback, myself and my pal Gary Crowley. Yeah, and that was just fantastic. To hear the, the album, which is I'd say it anyway, he's one of his best, you know, I still think it's, it's one of his best solo records. You take the, the thing away that it's Paul Welly, you know, and it's almost like being in, in someone's gaff listening, you know, someone's house. He's a lovely fellow, he's good natured and that, and he takes the piss a little bit, you know, in the way we all would, in, if it was in the pub or whatever. He's been brilliant for both me and Snowy on a professional thing, but he's also been kind and uh, supportive in the band stuff. And not only that, he's one of the best musicians that uh, has ever come out of the UK as well, you know. If you were to pick a song right now and can be from any era, you're only allowed one, which which Weller song would it be? Ghosts by the Jam. Oh, good choice. Good choice. Uh, Why that one? Personal. Um, I don't know. I've, I've always said I'll have it as one of my funeral songs. I think sometimes I went through a shit time years ago, you know. Sometimes a song sort of, you hang your hat on a little bit. I don't know, it's just one of them songs, I think. It's like whatever's going on in your life, just pick yourself up, walk right on through. You do, you know, especially as you sort of get older and that, you realise it ain't the end of the world all the time, you know, if something bad happens. So uh, it's a bit of that. So I think that's probably the song, mate. Listen, but there's about 300 others as well. <laughs> it's incredible, actually, isn't it? I mean, and one of the aims of this podcast was to look at how um, 
music and songs and tracks can connect. And I think, and I guess there's some points in his life when he was writing those lyrics that inevitably are going to connect with people in kind of similar situations to him at that time. But, but there are big songs like Frightened for me is one of those ones off his, yeah. I think it's a heliocentric album and just a beautiful, well-written song, but really at the time connected with me when I was kind of going through some crap stuff as well. Yeah. So, and it's, it's funny, isn't it? Those memories and those things just live with you for your life. And it's, yeah. and it's just amazing how particular songs and lyrics can connect in that way. Obviously, as I mentioned, one of the aims is to get an interview with Paul on this. Is there any advice that you would give? Is there anything, I guess, any advice or, or, and or any question you think I should tackle? <laughs> My thing would be for Paul would probably just talk about people he's met like some of his heroes like Curtis Mayfield and stuff uh, or Ian McLagan. I'm not sure he ever met Steve Marriott. So them sort of people, you know, what he's taken them that. And the other thing, some of the rock and roll stories, I suppose, of especially during the 90s and that when they were all learning, probably just sort of drop a couple of words or whatever, cutlers see see what he says. But I have one good story about when Paul was doing the Days of Speed tour, when he was doing acoustic, and Gem Archer from Oasis went and joined them. And he said by the end of it, Gem Archer was clattered to get back to Oasis because Paul and his crew absolutely ruined him. <laughs> you know, I thought that's got to be great to go back to Oasis for a rest, you know what I mean? That's get hilarious. That is hilarious. Of- I remember so, seeing that gig in, um, in Bristol, the Bristol Colson Hall it was called then. And um, me and my brother and this guy walks out to do the support act and starts singing Oasis song and me and my brother turn to each other I go to my brother I go oh bloody hell who's this Muppet it's only Noel Gallagher oh, <laughs> do you know what I was at that gig but I, oh, well, I got in just as, in, in between the support well yeah. I stayed in because oh, I thought World of Support was about to be pony. It was amazing. Uh, the flood of people coming in as yeah. words spread around, around the hall. It was yeah. like, oh, no, it's Noel Gallagher. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like yeah. who's this map? So my brother now, whenever Noel Gallagher comes on, he's like, who's this map? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Stuart, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, right. I'd love to chat again once the book's out and maybe we can talk about the solo years and a bit more of the jam and, and stuff. Yeah. It's been an honour. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cheers, mate. All the best. You take care, yeah? That's it for episode one. You can find out more about the book Soul Deep Adventures with the Star Council by following the team on Twitter at Soul Deep Book. And my thanks once again to Stuart Bill for kicking us off with episode one of Desperately Seeking Paul. Next week, I'm joined by a legend in the Weller community, a chap called Bax. If you know, you know. If you don't, tune in and follow us on Twitter at Weller Fan Pod. Get in touch. Tell us what you think. Subscribe on your usual channels. Spread the word. The world's first Paul Weller fan podcast is here. Thanks for listening. See you on episode two. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.